0: Pastor Gaiman, thank you for the gracious introduction, and and may those blessings return on all of you. you. uh, When I was working professionally, I'm now retired for the second time, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I went by Robert R., my complete name is Robert R. Jones, but I go by Ron, first name Robert, so professionally I was Robert R., but my mother told me that I was named after Ronald Reagan where my Ronald came from. They used to like his movies. Okay? I was born in Nevada, Missouri at the old hospital there. I currently live just a half a block south of there so I tell people I never got very far. <laughs> Went to high school there in Nevada. Oh, by the way, my, the grade school, I got my first six years of education in. They just finished tearing down last week. Franklin School is no more. So that was kind of sad to see it go. (laughs) Went to college at uh, John Brown University down in Northwest Arkansas where I met my lovely wife and from there on down to medical school at Baylor in Houston. Did my training there including uh, three extra years of pediatric training. Then went into the U.S. Air Force and went to uh, England, stationed there for three years. That was during the Vietnam War. I could have been drafted anytime up to age 35 and sent to Vietnam, but I signed up for the Berry Plan, which allowed me to finish my training, go in as a specialist, and pick my branch of service. So I picked Air Force, and they sent us to England. So somebody had to go to England. It might as well be me. (laughs) And after that, then back to Nevada, where I practiced at the Nevada Medical Clinic for 36 years, actually 34 years. Retired for five years, and then actually went back to work for a couple of years for the hospital in Nevada, and now retired again. So I've been uh, most interested in what's been going on in the medical field since then, and uh, even politically. I think most of you know we're in a big mess politically. I'm sure most of you know that the current administration came in via a coup, they were not elected, and we are, in my estimation, at war with their own government in, in, many, in many ways. Okay? And uh, the COVID situation, that's something else. When I was working in pediatrics, I was a member of what you'd call the allopathic medicine community. That's kind of traditional medicine based mainly on treating with medications, diagnosing conditions, treating with medications. We didn't have that much training on diet or ways to stay healthy. I think I would be classified more as a, a naturopath today because there was never enough emphasis on getting well and staying well. Okay, You need to eat good foods, you need to drink plenty of water, you need to get plenty of rest, you need to take vitamin supplements, okay? and we're going to mention some of those. I don't know if you all have paper and pencil with you, but some of the things I mentioned you might want to jot down, make some notes on today. So back in those days, I believed everything the CDC told us, the Centers for Disease Control, about childhood immunizations. Baby came in two months of age, it's time for these vaccinations, let's go ahead and get them. And we did. Uh, My mind has changed a lot over the years since that time. I've actually come to believe now that not only do children not actually need those immunizations, but I believe they're doing a lot of harm. (laughs) I have a colleague, or had a colleague out in uh, Oregon by the name of Dr. Paul Thomas. Anybody ever heard of him? He co-authored a book, which I recommend to every parent with small children or grandparents, It's called The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. He had a large patient population, 12,000 patients in his population. They were divided into three groups. One group was fully vaccinated according to the CDC guidelines. Another third had no immunizations at all. And a third group followed his amended plan. So he formulated a plan whereby some of the childhood vaccinations are left out entirely, some others are delayed. For instance, the MMR from 15 months to three years, okay? He found some amazing things when he studied the health of these children through the years. He studied ER visits and trips to the hospital and so forth, uh, disease conditions. One example was autism, which is now epidemic in America, yes. if you don't know that. The, rate, uh, the rate, of, uh, aut- rate of autism used to be one in like 2000. It's now about one in 35. Oh. It's just skyrocketed. And the, the incidence of it coincides with the addition of all the extra va- childhood vaccinations, by the way. <clears throat> what Dr. Thomas discovered was <clears throat> that in the group Of unvaccinated children and the ones that followed his amended plan, he didn't find any autism. Didn't find any. Zero. And he looked at the fully vaccinated group. Their rate of autism was 1 in 39 at the time, which was the national rate. He looked at other diseases, uh, ADHD, attention deficit disorder, skyrocketing also about the same time. He looked at diabetes, arthritis, epilepsy, And he found out that uh, when you leave out vaccines or leave out some, these things just about go away. He presented his evidence to the state medical board of Oregon, of course they were thrilled to get it, to the the extent that they took his license away. Yeah, that's what happened to Dr. Thomas. So uh, that's pretty much the medical community today. I one time mentioned, I think on, maybe it was Facebook, Childhood vaccinations, you know, really aren't that necessary. And I think I was called a baby killer by one of the other physicians somewhere in the country. Also, I got into trouble, actually, on Facebook dealing with ivermectin. That was found to be very helpful for treating COVID and preventing COVID. And somebody uh, on Facebook said they didn't know how much to use or how to dose it or anything. Well, I I had gotten a tube of it at uh, the farm store just to see what it was like, a syringe. I knew how you could adjust the dosage depending on the little uh, ring on it and so forth. So I described this online, how you could dose it there. Well, somebody complained to our Missouri State Board of Healing Arts that I was pushing veterinary ivermectin. So they assigned a personal investigator to me. Yeah. And that uh, gentleman from Kansas City came down to my home in Nevada and spent about an hour. He was not, not interested in any other information I had about COVID or anything at all, except what I was telling people about the uh, ivermectin. So I wasn't really pushing veterinary ivermectin, but for about that last year and a half, I've been treating COVID patients all across the country. Um, I don't know how many, I haven't added them up, but we we were starting with hydroxychloroquine, HCQ, which also works great. Excuse me. And then one day, I was calling a pharmacy in uh, some other city, ordering the HCQ, and the pharmacist told me, well, the FDA has told us that we can't fill that prescription unless the patient's in the hospital. What? <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> no, not at all. So we switched over to ivermectin, which also had a good reputation for preventing and healing COVID. And that's why I've been using ever since. And it's amazing how many pharmacies will not stock it or fill a prescription for it. If you go to the city, Kansas City, you won't find a pharmacy that will let anybody get ivermectin. We have three pharmacies in Nevada that will fill prescriptions for ivermectin. Yeah, our uh, pharmacist at Costco would fill a ivermectin for you. hmm mm-hmm. As long as we brought a prescription in no matter what from where. Yeah. We do that. Good. Well the whole COVID uh, pandemic, some some have called it a pandemic, and I agree with that. It's a it's a hoax. Yep. There never was an emergency never was, and they illegally acquired emergency use authorization for their so-called vaccines, claiming that there was this big emergency. Well, they told us about all the cases of COVID, you know, around the country. What was a case of COVID? It was somebody that tested positive with a PCR, polymerase chain reaction test. That test is totally unreliable. Kerry Mullins is the inventor of that test, and he said it should never be used to diagnose any medical condition. (laughs) So that's all they've been using to diagnose COVID, right? That test uses what they call amplification cycles. means they can crank it up, and the the more cycles they use in the testing, the more likely a false positive test is. So they're using like 40 cycles, and at that rate, you have over 90% false positive test rate. So there's your epidemic of all these cases. You know, we're always told uh, in Vernon County in the newspaper how many county cases we've yeah. been having, you know. Uh, their, their motivation is, uh, is fear. That's their, one of their main weapons is to keep us all in fear. And that's nothing new. That goes way back. That goes way back. I found out not too long ago that uh, Plans for all, not necessarily for COVID, but plans for control of the population. Formally plans even go back to the early 1950s. Yes. Yeah. There's a book that came out. It's called uh, Secret Weapons for Silent Wars. Yes. Yes. I encourage you to look that up. I, I got it on a uh, e-book, I guess you call it, Kindle, yes. like $3 or something. That's amazing what you'll find. That was top secret information at the time. And they outlined a, Har- a Harvard study where they decided to do all this stuff and how they could take over the population. Just amazing stuff. So uh, early on in the pandemic, we were told by dear Dr. Fauci, <laughs> by the way, I got to tell you this, in the Amer- a Journal of the American Medical Association, before the pandemic even came out, there was an article about COVID, which I read, and it was, the prime author was Anthony Fauci. I'd never heard of him. Yeah. And in the article, he said there's no treatment for COVID. Well, I happen to know that colloidal silver that we're going to be talking about Amen. kills coronaviruses. Yes. And... Uh, COVID is a coronavirus. So I wrote to him, sent Dr. Fauci an email and asked about colloidal silver, if he was familiar with the fact that that kills coronavirus. Never heard from him, of course. No, never heard from him. So early on, Dr. Fauci stated that remdesivir was gonna be the go-to medicine to treat COVID, okay? And he said, he claimed this publicly, because of its uh, effectiveness in the Ebola trials. Okay? There's the doctor, Ardis, A-R-D-I-S. He's a retired chiropractor. He actually looked up the Ebola trials with remdesivir. Guess what he found out? He found out they had to stop those trials early because so many people were dying and injured from remdesivir. Okay, now <laughs> these days it seems like my medical colleagues have just gone off the rails yes. because I don't know if it's they're just that ignorant or if they're just uh, locked into the federal guidelines. That may be a big part of it. Hospitals are killing people with COVID these days. I think some that even don't have COVID. Uh, they treat everybody that comes in. You go to the ER for something, you're going to get a COVID treat, uh, COVID test. Hopefully not the one they jam up your nose up to your brain. Really? But they test everybody. They get paid for that. Hospital does. They get paid more if a test is positive. Yes. So if your test is negative, they're likely going to tr- test you again, <laughs> crank up the cycles a little bit, because oh, yeah. they get paid more for a positive test. They get an additional payment if they admit you to the hospital with a COVID diagnosis. They get a 20% bonus if they treat you with remdesivir. 20% more. By the way, they can be sued if they treat anybody with ivermectin. CMS, uh, Medicaid, Medicare can sue the local hospital if they use ivermectin. Anyway, so they give them remdesivir, and that has about a 30% chance of killing their kidneys right there. They get another bonus if they put you on a ventilator. And uh, they get another bonus, I guess the final one, if you die in the hospital with COVID. And I'm told that these uh, typically add up to about $100,000 per patient for the hospital. Now, and the hospitals had been losing money for years because, you know, surgery was their biggest source of funds, right? And As you know, they're putting off surgery because of COVID. You couldn't even go to the hospital. So they're losing all the money from the surgery they had been doing. So all this government money for COVID, hey, it looks pretty good, right? That'd be a pretty hard thing to resist, I guess. Everything the government did to counteract COVID was the wrong thing to do. I mean everything. First of all, the treatment, they missed treatment with ivermectin and uh, HCQ. Uh, To show you how well ivermectin works, there's a state in India called Uttar Pradesh, has about 200 million people in that one state, and the government of India treated them all with ivermectin. And I was told that the total treatment cost about two dollars and86 cents or so. They don't have any COVID. It didn't have any COVID in that state when it was going around everywhere else, because of the ivermectin efficacy. So our government ignored that. Actually, our government or uh, the uh, pharmaceutical industry, is afraid of ivermectin because it turned out to be so amazing.) Uh, I may run across here somewhere, yeah, here it is. Ivermectin, the drug that literally terrifies big pharma. <laughs> uh, by the way, it acts a lot like colloidal silver. It does so many things. It sounds too good to be true. Yes. So some of the things that ivermectin could do, we know about the parasite controls, right? right? River blindness and all that, um, kills most of the malaria-causing parasites. Asthma, curtails uh, recruitment of immune cells, production of cytokines, we're gonna talk a little more about cytokines in a moment. It treats many neurological diseases, including motor neuron disease, ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. It's a potent anti-inflammatory, so much of a disease is related to inflammation. It has antibacterial activity. Uh, It prevents infection by chlamydia, which is one of the sexually transmitted diseases. Prevents tuberculosis. Wow. Uh, Treats COVID-19, treats HIV, dengue, encephalitis, and is anti many types of cancers, including melanoma, Lymphoid, leukemia, glioblastoma, breast cancer, prostate, colon, gastric, lung, cervical, thyroid, liver, multiple myeloma, and neurofibromatosis. Ivermectin treats all those things. No wonder big pharma doesn't want it around. It's off patent. You can't make any money with it. You make tons of money by treating cancer though. By the way. Yeah. People suffering from major depression. It said that they enjoy a significant lift in positivity within twelve hours of their first dose of ivermectin. So don't expect any research to be done along these lines. <laughs> in fact, so there'll be far more funds available for trying to discredit ivermectin. Uh, and that's the that's the same. That applies, by the way, to childhood vaccines. Did you know? You know, a real good scientific safety study is called a double blind placebo controlled study. Okay? Not a single double blind placebo controlled study was done on any childhood vaccine. Not one. Wow. Not one. Now, we talked about, uh, we mentioned cytokines. You know, with COVID, COVID being a coronavirus, there were previous, three previous attempts at vaccines against coronavirus. By the way, these COVID vaccines are not vaccines. (laughs) They're gene therapy. But with three previous coronaviruses, uh, RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus, MERS and SARS, you've heard of those, those are all coronaviruses. They tried to manufacture vaccines against those three previous coronaviruses. We don't have such vaccines. you know why? <laughs> because in the animal studies, they all died. Yeah, they died. They did okay when injected with the vaccine, but they got exposed to the germ, the, the virus again, they suffered what's called a cytokine storm. Now, cytokine, that's your antibody involvement. And when you have a cytokine storm, that's also known as antibody enhancement of disease. Oh, yeah. So your own antibodies attack organs of your own body just like they're the enemy. Right. Now, many virologists predicted the same thing would happen with these current COVID vaccines, sure. they were ignored. Yep. And it is happening, it's happening. The uh, current COVID so-called vaccines uh, kill your immune system, basically. I've heard on pretty good uh, report that the first, if you take one dose, it eliminates about 30% of your natural immunity. And it gets worse with each subsequent one. If you're fully vaccinated, which means you've had two doses and a booster, you essentially have become an AIDS patient where you're gonna be susceptible to not being able to fight off virtually any common disease that you normally would, okay? So uh, Pfizer and others knew about this. They've known about this stuff ahead of time. People are not informed about these vaccines. And by the way, the same goes for childhood vaccines. Parents do not get informed consent. They're not informed about the risks Here's my belief about childhood vaccines right now. Considering the fact that over half of all children have at least one chronic disease in the US, that's a fact, such as diabetes, arthritis, epilepsy. There are over 80 autoimmune diseases right now. I believe that the prime cause of those uh, chronic diseases is childhood vaccines. There have to be many causes. There are lots of toxins around, as we know in the environment that cause injury. But we know that vaccines, the goal of a vaccine is to cause antibody production, right? To help fight off a disease. You might be amazed to know that the FDA requirement for a vaccine to be effective is only that it elicits an antibody response. other words, you give us vaccine, you can measure increased antibodies. Doesn't have to get rid of that disease. Doesn't even mention that. It just causes antibody formation. Now, have you ever heard of autoantibodies? We've been talking about autoantibodies, right? Okay, so my belief is that these uh, childhood vaccines, they do some good, by the way, some of them especially. I think of one in particular, the HIV vaccine, Haemophilus influenza type B, it's a bacteria. I used to treat about three kids each winter in Nevada with Haemophilus influenza meningitis, brain infection. You have to get them in the hospital right away, get them IV antibiotics. And if you treat them early, they do well. After the HIV vaccine became available, I never saw another case of that, ever. But on the other hand, at what, at what cost <laughs> are these vaccines doing some good? And I, I believe they're causing autoantibody formation that's probably causing a good portion of these chronic diseases. So the pharmaceutical companies literally make billions of dollars from the vaccines. Uh, they have a a group that decides which vaccines are going to be placed on the, uh, on the schedule. Right. Each one's worth a $1 billion dollars or more to the company that manufactures it. Some of the people on that committee, uh, at least one of them I know, owned the patent to the vaccine that he recommended putting on the schedule. <laughs> and that one caused a lot of problems, by the way. It caused... a into susception in a lot of babies, or the intestine kind of telescoped in on itself, and I think some babies even died from that. So the ingredient list, I'm not sure we know all what's in what all's in those vaccines, but just to look at the ones they do list, would should make you think twice about taking one. Parents are not shown a list of vaccine ingredients, right? They just say it's time for vaccines, let's give them. They're not told about the risks. Did you know that they now give every newborn a vaccine on the first day of life? First day of life for hepatitis B. Which they don't even need to get that unless mom has hepatitis B, which is not likely. Because you get hepatitis B from dirty needle use and uh, uh, sexual activity. How many babies are involved in that? None I know of. And that vaccine they give on the first day of life is full of aluminum. Aluminum, which is a neurotoxin. Yes. It means it damages nerve tissue. And it gets into the brain, by the way. It's been proven at autopsies. So, yeah, I talked to uh, one of our uh, OB doctors in Nevada about that. My concern about giving aluminum <laughs> on the first day of life to babies She said, uh, well, we're just glad we have these vaccines and we're going to keep using them, and she turned and walked away. Yeah. Now, it's a fact that the body treats toxins such as aluminum quite differently when they're injected than when they're ingested. We all take in a minute amount of aluminum every day. It doesn't bother us. We have what's called an enterohepatic circulation. Things get absorbed from the intestinal tract. They go, they go to your liver and get detoxified. Yes. Okay, the liver is amazing. Yeah, is. I'll tell you, our bodies are phenomenal. We are amazingly put together yes. by the creator. Yes. Well, if you inject it, that doesn't go through the endorphinic circulation. It goes directly through the circulation and goes around through the bloodstream. By the way, speaking of injections, if you... If you've seen any of these uh, people getting COVID vaccines, you see it on the news all the time, right? What are they, what are they doing wrong? Has anybody notice what they're doing wrong right off the bat? I've never seen one do it in the right manner yet. They go up, they have an arm there, they got their syringe, they jab it, and they push. They could be pushing it right into a vein. You're always supposed to aspirate. You put the needle in, you pull back on the syringe to see if you're in a blood vessel. They never do that. Besides, they call it a jab. Yeah, they jab it and shove it in there. There have been many lies about these COVID vaccines. One is that it will all stay right there in your shoulder. <laughs> well, if they jab it into your vein, <laughs> hey, it's everywhere within minutes, including your brain. But even if they don't put it in a blood vessel, it's been found to go through all your body tissues. Sure. They told us it goes away quickly. No. It's been found there months and months later. The uh, We all know that this COVID s- v- supposed virus has spikes on it, right? Looks kind of like a crown. That's why it's a coronavirus. So the spike protein, the theory is they inject it, and it causes your body to produce these spiked proteins and your body then sees that as foreign material, forms antibodies against it, so it will attack a COVID virus that you might get exposed to later. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Sounds good. (laughs) It sounds good. By the way, if they hadn't treated that in a special way, your body would fight off that mRNA right away as soon as they inject it, but they... They use, um, they use a fatty lipid covering to trick your immune system, to bypass your immune system so it'll get into the cells. And by the way, they have HIV portions attached to the COVID vaccine to help it enter your body's cells. <clears throat> now, early on, the Salk Institute has a good reputation. I believe they're out in California or somewhere. They identified the spike protein as the pathogen that's causing all the blood clots. Okay, so wait a minute. <laughs> if, we're having, if this is actually causing your body to become a spike protein factory, which it is, those spike proteins are going everywhere and they cause blood clots, that's not like a good idea? Doesn't sound too good to me. There's a blood test they do to check for blood clots. It's called a D-dimer test, the D-I-M-E-R. Even if you have little tiny microscopic blood clots going on, you'll have a positive test. <clears throat> so they've been testing some of the recipients of the COVID vaccines and finding you know, positive D-dimer tests. As we know, some people get into trouble a lot faster with these uh, jabs than others. Have you seen the hundreds of athletes dropping dead? There's a, if you look those up online, you can find a list. It'll show their pictures, their names, how many of them dropped dead, how many of them wound up with this condition or that. I mean, it's a long, it's over 100, I think, by now. These people are in the prime of life, you know, professional athletes. You've heard about the myocarditis. Can you believe they're now... They've approved the mRNA vaccines for babies, even on the first day of life, down to, I think, seven pounds. They can, And they're encouraging the vaccine for children now. These, these are criminals. Criminals. Teenagers are more likely than anybody else to develop myocarditis from one of these jabs. Myocarditis is inflammation of your heart. They say, well, it's mild, and they'll get over it pretty fast. Well, it doesn't go away and uh, makes them more likely to die of a heart attack later on. Yeah? Are these approvals still uh, emergency authorization approval? Yeah, that's, they're still going under that. Do you know why they had to get uh, that status approved? So they couldn't be sued. Just like with the childhood vaccines? Yeah, that was, that was one of the things that had to happen. The, Pharmaceutical companies that make them were granted immunity from prosecution. So no matter how many people they kill directly, right. they did um, establish a national vaccine injury compensation program for the childhood vaccines. If you <laughs> if you can fight your way through that, you know they reject about thirty percent of applicants right away. It's a difficult thing to do, but in spite of that, they've uh, awarded over $4 billion to parents of brain-damaged children from vaccines, $4 billion. They don't tell you how potentially dangerous flu vaccines are. I never take a flu vaccine. I was the only Freeman employee, these two years I worked for the hospital, Freeman, you know, CEO was running the hospital. All Freeman employees have to get a flu vaccine. I refused to get one. I wrote a letter to the CEO and told him why, told him about the risks and the poor job those vaccines do at preventing flu. They're not very successful at all. And I, I gave him information from this Maglio and Toll insurance group out in California that win more awards for their clients for vaccine injury than any other group of attorneys in the country. And the vast majority, I think 83%, were from influenza vaccine injuries. <clears throat> so, and by the way, the, when you get, if you get a flu vaccine, unless you ask for it, you're going to get a multi-dose vial where they, you know, give repeated doses out of the same vial. It's got mercury in it. Mercury's a toxin also. <clears throat> so it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> the more, I encourage people to do their own due diligence diligence and research, okay? Uh, At the conclusion of my practice, I was telling parents about the vaccine-friendly plan, and uh, I had a copy of the actually recommended schedule at various ages, like at age uh, four months instead of four shots, uh, he's recommending just two, and so on, and virtually every parent elected to go through with the amended plan instead of the CDC schedule. I mean, who wouldn't if you know the truth about what's going on? Okay, so there never was a true emergency. To be an emergency, there had to be no treatment available, no other treatment than this vaccine we want to give you. Well, we did have ivermectin, we had hydroxychloroquine, shown to be very effective. The government, in its wisdom, <clears throat> did some studies that showed it wasn't effective, uh-huh. right? That was their goal. Yeah. Now, if you give ivermectin, as I said, I've been treating patients for about a year and a half. You have to be on your vitamins. You've got to be on zinc, yes. first of all, because ivermectin and HCQ are zinc ionophores. Okay. That means they help get zinc into your cells, zinc in your cells is what keeps the virus from replicating or multiplying. The government and their studies wouldn't allow any other supplements to be given, just the ivermectin. No wonder it didn't work. Okay? Crazy, crazy. Okay, So this, this pandemic, I think it had been planned for decades, they had the vaccines ready to go before this even came to anybody's attention about a pandemic of any kind. And I think it's well uh, known that it is a bioweapon. It was from a laboratory. And uh, there's a guy named um, Michael Yeadon, Y-E-A-D-O-N, he's a physician. He was a former vice president of the Pfizer Corporation. He's no longer with them. (laughs) His conclusion was that these mRNA vaccines are for population reduction. And I agree with him. Now, a month ago, almost a month ago to the day, I was in Elberton, Georgia. Did that name ring a bell to anybody? Probably not. It's where the, it's where the Georgia Stones are located. Did you ever hear of the Georgia Guidestones? Well, these people that want to run the world, many names for them, you can call them New World Order, the elites, yep. you know, um, they wrote their goals on slabs of granite, four of them with a capstone in eight languages engraved in granite. Uh, I had always wondered why they put these out in, outside this little town in Georgia. Well, as we drove into Elberton, it's the granite capital of the world. And there's big granite works, you know, all around there, huge slabs of granite. So I think that's why. So anyway, they had their goals for the New World Order right there in uh, these eight languages. And so if you read the English, (laughs) which I did, I couldn't read the rest of them. (laughs) Number one goal maintain a world population of 500 million people. And there's how many now, over seven billion? That's about a 95% reduction from what it is now. They're working on it, they're working on it. So they wanna have a one world religion, a one world government, one world language on down the line. Those are their goals. Okay, let's see. I know there's a bunch of stuff that we can talk about, and I don't want to leave any any uh, important things out. You can be thinking of any questions, by the way. There are a lot of people out there writing articles and have websites and all that are worth uh, checking on now and then. Um, one of them is called the SGT Report. Yes. SGT Report. It's one of the excellent ones. There's an X-22 report. Also good. There's uh, the High Wire. big Bigtree. Another good one to keep up with. There's a Dr. Trazzi. T-R-O-Z-Z-I out of Canada. Very good. Mark Trazzi. There's, there's some attorneys following this pretty closely. There's one. Um, Jeff Childers. C-H-I-L-D-E-R-S, out of Florida. He has an article every week, at least every week online, called uh, Coffee and COVID. Yes, very good. So he keeps up with the legal situation regarding COVID and all that. Uh, There's a Dr. Jane Ruby, R-U-B-Y. She keeps up with what's going on here. I think I wrote some others down somewhere. There's a Lance Wallnau, W-A-L-L-N-A-U. Many of these people are Christians, too. There's an interesting site called 321 Gold. (laughs) That's good for keeping up on precious metals, by the way. Bob Moriarty runs that. Bob Moriarty was the youngest pilot in Vietnam, by the way. He flew over 800 missions. 800 missions. And in the old days... In a beach bonanza, he flew beneath the Eiffel Tower, which was illegal, but he did it. (laughs) But but he has some really good articles in there. You can see them. 321 Gold, and you'll see some really good ones to go back and review. By the way, if you don't have the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, I advise you get a hold of that. I believe the guy uh, belongs on the end of a rope, personally. Yeah, that's what I've read. Yep. I brought this book along. It's in, the, in your library or your bookstore here. How many have read that? What is it? The Archco Volume. Archaeological Writings, the Sanhedrins and Talmuds of the Jews. A man from Missouri actually discovered this stuff by a friend who had found it over in Rome, I believe it was. You know, the Romans kept really good records, okay? We keep good records at the courthouse, right? Of legal activities. Well, the Romans did that too. They wrote them on parchment and sealed them between cedar boards, and they had those in the Vatican Library, way down there where nobody would know they are. But this uh, gentleman from Missouri found out about it, and he had a friend who could actually translate out of Latin. And he found the octa pilati, the acts of Pilate. Pilate, during the crucifixion, yes. had to account for his behavior right. to Tiberius, yes. Caesar. And he wrote about it. Yep. That, his words are in here. Yes. Talk about fascinating. There's an eyewitness of the, of the resurrection in there. Right. Yeah. And I remember Pilate saying that uh, Jesus was crucified on uh, the Ides of March, which would be March 15th, because Julius Caesar died on that date. Anyway, that's uh, that's what the record shows. What's that? Yes, it does. It does. Eyewitnesses of of Jesus himself. Okay, who's been thinking of some good? Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention we talked about the Big pharma. If you go back to Webster's dictionary of 1828, <laughs> pharmaceutical means to practice witchcraft <laughs> or use medicine. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of ashamed, even of my, <clears throat> my alma mater, Baylor in Houston. The president, current president, gives a weekly report, a weekly update, which I get. And uh, he's got uh, one of the guys, one of the virologists there, is really a well-known one across the country. And they're all for these COVID vaccines, you know, get your vaccines, And I read that stuff, and I'm wondering, these guys are in the clutches of the pharmaceutical industry. Big Pharma has paid off virtually everybody. They own (laughs) your politicians. They own the news media, pay them off. Uh, They own the medical schools, the medical journals, the medical societies, okay? So who does the medical research? (laughs) Well, they're funded by the pharmaceutical industry. What kind of results are they likely to get? They get the results they want. They'll pay people. They even have ghost writers Uh that write scientific articles (laughs) about whatever it is. If you submit a drug (coughs) to the FDA, they have to get, um, it has to be declared safe and effective, you know, eventually. So there's a committee at the FDA that decides if a drug that's been submitted has been tested enough to be safe and effective. They get that, that committee gets a good portion of their money from the company that's submitting the drugs for approval. Of course they're going to get approval. One of the most frequent causes of death in America is from medication. prescriptions, taken as directed even. My wife's uh, brother died of one of those things that caused uh, heart attacks. There were thousands of people that died from that. Um, I had a friend, actually a classmate, whose sister had a baby, this is way back, had a baby with no arms or legs. Do you remember Thalidomide? Anybody ever heard of that name? That was judged safe and effective by the FDA at the time for nausea of pregnancy, okay? only problem was no arms and legs for babies. They didn't know that for a while till. So, so much of this stuff, not only the medications, but the vaccines, they don't get safety tested, not like they should, sometimes not at all. Anyway, uh, yeah, we need to mention the colloidal silver also, which I brought along a bunch of today. When I first heard about colloidal silver by somebody years ago, it sounded too good to be true to me, you know, kind of like, yeah, right. I did try it eventually. And now I wouldn't be without it. I tell people I would not be without it. It's known to kill over 650 different pathogens, bacteria, viruses, and fungi, all three categories. Doesn't harm our own healthy bacteria in our intestinal tract. It kills germs in so many different ways that they don't become immune to it. That's a problem with a lot of uh, antibiotics. You know, we have resistance that develops, right? like MRSA. Everybody know what that is, MRSA? Methicillin-resistant staph aureus. Actually, if you take an antibiotic that's, the germs are resistant to, and you give colloidal silver with it, it usually will work again. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing stuff. It's so mild that if you have an eye infection, you can actually spray it in your eyeball (laughs) if it's a viral or bacterial infection. Yeah, a silver product. It's been used for, actually, thousands of years. Silver in one form or another has been used. Uh, Alexander the Great used silver on his tours. They used to, uh, in the old days out west, they used to put a silver dollar in milk and water to keep it pure longer. If you put a little silver in a vase of fresh cut flowers, they'll stay fresh days longer. So, anyway, it comes in a solution. It's clear, looks like water. It's actually ionized silver, ionic silver. It's commonly called colloidal silver. But all it is um, is silver and water. <laughs> so, I manufacture it in a home business called uh, Silver Health. And to manufacture it, you have a flask. I use a system that has two pure silver rods, that are 99.99% silver and you connect those two electrodes, turn on electricity, and it takes, in my case, three hours to make one bottle, 32 ounce bottle, of ionic silver. Most of what you buy is 10 parts per million. It's measured in parts per million. That's the concentration. One uh, popular bottle or brand is called Sovereign Silver. 10 parts per million. Mine's 17 to 18 parts per million because I prefer to have it a little stronger, last longer, because it always starts getting a little weaker slowly over time. So, it's considered safe in the 10 to 20 parts per million range. If you get way up high, it can get dangerous. It's not harmful health-wise. It just can make your skin turn blue. A medical condition known as Argyria. there was a famous man, Paul Carrison, known as the blue man. He called himself Papa Smurf. <laughs> 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 and he was drinking large amounts of this colloidal silver daily over long periods of time, hundreds of parts per million. Made the wrong way. You can manju- manufacture this stuff really quickly if you add salts to it or proteins but you're more likely gonna get argyria if you do that. There's never been a case of argyria with uh, produced electrolytically in that concentration, so you don't have to worry about that. Nobody's ever been harmed, I know ever, by colloidal silver. Table salt's dangerous. It'll kill you if you put enough of it in water and drink it, it'll kill you. (laughs) But it's safe, it's safe stuff, and kills so many things you can drink it. If you had a bladder infection, for instance, uh, usually E. coli bacteria, drinks in, uh colloidal silver, comes out in the urine, in fact. Gets rid of that. Uh, you can spray it under your arms and kill the bacteria that, that cause uh, odor. I, recommend, I always spray my toothbrush every time I brush. Put the toothpaste on there, a few sprays of the silver. It kills the bacteria that cause tooth decay and gingivitis. So you can cut down on your dental bills and gets rid of bad breath. Spray it in your mouth. Uh, what I do, I, I sell, I have a same size bottle. I brought a bunch out in my vehicle. 32-ounce bottles and I have little 2-ounce nasal spray bottles that spray straight up. So they're real handy to spray in your nose. The little 2-ounce bottle, the way I use that mainly is if I've been out like around a group of people. You don't look too dangerous. But if I go to Walmart or church, when I get home, I spray my nose and throat right away to kill germs before they have a chance to multiply. Amen. So you spray your nose and sniff it up in there. Spray your mouth as you breathe in. You want it to go down as deep as it'll go. And I'll tell you what, people should know how to use a nutty pot. Has anybody ever used one of those? Netty pot. Netty pot. They're not much fun, <laughs> but ear, nose, throat doctors recommend these for people that have sinus problems. Uh, you, I think I, I got mine at Walmart. It's probably 3 to $5 or something yeah. real cheap. It comes with little packets of salts. So if you're, if you're using what the ear, nose, throat doctors say, you put warm water in there, you put a little packet of the salt in there, you run it in through one side of your nose, and let it drain out the other side over the sink and let it all go through there. And that that helps flush out your sinuses. But I prefer, if I I was going to be coming down with a cold, I use what I call my silver sinus slam. (laughs) I fill it about a fourth of the way with colloidal silver right out of the bottle. I do not add any salts because that combines with it. Don't add any water. I set a kitchen timer for six minutes The studies show if the silver is in contact with a germ for five minutes, it kills it. So i got my timer going, I run it in until it starts to come out, and I plug that side, and I just stay like that for the whole six minutes. So you probably want to have a radio or something to listen to. (laughs) It's kind of boring. (laughs) And then after the timer goes off, then you let the rest of it run on through. Then blow your nose a couple of times, get all that junk out of there. And last... It's been a long time since I ever started coming down with something, probably a year ago. I did that, next day no symptoms, totally gone. So uh, I recommend that because it really works. The alternative is spraying many times a day. And uh, I also have literature out there. Uh, What I am going to do, I have a 32 ounce bottle and the two ounce nasal spray bottle. I sell that combination for $40. If you look this up online, the Sovereign Silver, it's going to cost you over $68 just for this one bottle, plus you're going to pay taxes, and you're going to pay a shipping charge. So I pay the state and local taxes on all my sales personally, no shipping charge. The last uh, bottle, I I have to order the bottles myself. The last order of 32-ounce bottles, price had gone up 20% versus the previous order. So my prices right now are crazy low. <laughs> and I'm probably going to have to raise them up sometime here before long, but at least for today it's $40 for the set. And there's literature out there that will come with it. The first page, uh, if my bottle had a big fancy label like this, which it doesn't, it has all the information that would be on it. It also uh, has suggestions as how to use it. It mentioned, It also mentions the Nutty Pot. And, Spraying and anybody that has asthma or tends to get bronchitis or pneumonia, I recommend you get a nebulizer and put that in the nebulizer. In the nebulizer you'd put about a teaspoon of colloidal silver in there and breathe it right into your lungs for about a five minute treatment. You do that several times a day. There's another page that I send with you that says how much is safe to take and that's based on body weight. It gives you a formula. Even a little child, you can use their body weight and plug that in there. And it tells you how many drops a day, how many nose sprays, and how many teaspoons a day you could use safely, okay? And then the last page is just some of the ways that colloidal silver can be used. There's a whole lot more than what are listed, more all the time. I found out, by the way, just recently that colloidal silver helps prevent cytokine storming and also helps prevent blood clots, by the way. So I rely on, and it's been shown in the laboratory to kill coronavirus. So personally, I, I rely on it to help keep me free of COVID and you know others. And by the way, Bill Gates, another guy that belongs on the end of the rope, he, uh, he said that we could expect another pandemic, but it probably would not be a coronavirus this time it'll probably be a hemorrhagic fever, such as Marburg virus. Hemorrhagic fever. Well, I find that colloidal silver kills Marburg virus, also, and other hemorrhagic fever viruses, so hey, you wanna have some on hand. (laughs) Okay, time for questions, I think, anybody? Yes? Is there an expiration date on on the silver? They're not as such. All I can tell you is they say it's good for years. If you had it for a couple of years, I'd probably replace it. <laughs> yeah, used it up. Yeah. Somebody else? I have a question on your ivermectin thing that you were talking about. Um, yeah. Like buying it from the farm store. Oh, yeah. And um, that you put on Facebook, like proper dosing and such. Okay, so your question is, well, is it okay to use it? Is that what you're saying? As far as I know, which is not that far, <laughs> it should do the job because it's the same medication and it, it does have a dose based on body weight. In fact, the syringe that you get at the farm store for horses will treat a 1,500 pound animal. And on Facebook, I said, well, that should cover most of you. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, it has that little ring on it. It's got weights and a little ring, and so you'd move that ring to your body weight and secure it, and then you push it, and that amount comes out. We don't know what all the ingredients are in there, but, you know, probably safe enough, probably would do the job, as far as I know. It's not gonna kill a horse, probably gonna kill me. All right. So you said it's a good preventative. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ivermectin is antiviral, so it's not just COVID, but uh, influenza treats treats that. Yeah. Is there a preferred way to store the silver? Uh, the mine come in these amber bottles like this. I do have some also in clear. The only ones I brought are amber colored. If if it's stored in a clear bottle. In direct sunlight, it decomposes it. So that's the only precaution, really. You don't have to put it in a dark area with the darker bottles. You can just... Yeah. Can you freeze it? I wouldn't. I don't know that you can't. I haven't seen any studies that show if that harms it or not, but I wouldn't take a chance on freezing it. It might alter it in some way. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's based on your body weight. If it, for a cold, I would, and it says in there too, commonly three or four times a day, you'd spray your nose and throat right. for a week or two. But about orally? Orally, that is anecdotal. You know, nobody knows for sure. My wife and I take an ounce a day. We have a little glass that's two ounces, and we fill it about half full. Dr- wow. Drink that once a day, just at, for immune support. Yeah. You know. But who knows? That's, some people take more, some take less. <clears throat> if, I had, if I was sick, I wouldn't be opposed to drinking you know, two or four ounces a couple of times a day for a week or two. Okay, so it's more for um, starting <coughs> up your nose and getting it with an ebulizer. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And the best way to get it through your whole system is to breathe it in in an ebulizer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no, just as is, yeah. It has virtually no taste to it. Yeah. So you take it out of the bottle or do you it for the I mean for the No, no, you just just out of the bottle. Just, just out of the bottle. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Yes sir. It's good to do that. I'm glad you mentioned that. If you're taking it orally, like an ounce of it, put it in your mouth but don't drink it right away. About a half a minute. Let it stay in there so it can get absorbed under your tongue. By the way, if you take B12, it's a good idea to take B12, sublingual, that means under the tongue, because it gets absorbed. If you, if you take a B12 pill and swallow it, it, it doesn't get absorbed very well from your stomach. By the way, on vitamins and supplements, we mentioned the zinc. I recommend people take 50 milligrams of zinc a day, adults, <clears throat> that you take vitamin C, at least 1,000 milligrams a day, that you take vitamin D3, it comes in IUs or international units, so take four or 5,000 IUs a day. If you are concerned about COVID at all or had some symptoms early on, take a baby aspirin a day. Remember the blood clots? Now we're saying take an antihistamine a day, that could be Claritin or Zyrtec or Benadryl, one of those, because what they were calling COVID pneumonia turns out to be a serious allergic reaction in the lungs. So an antihistamine helps prevent that. Now there's a little more to be said about the blood clots. Remember the spike protein is said to be the pathogen that causes the blood clots. They finally started doing autopsies on people. They were discouraging that, by the way, for a long time. (laughs) But they started doing autopsies, and people doing autopsies found these really weird blood clots they'd never seen before. Rubbery hard, some of them three feet long, down a leg. Yeah, from people who had been injected. It's crazy, crazy. So the blood clots... What do blood, blood clots do? Well, it cause a stroke or heart attack. depends on where they're located, of course. So more questions. There yes? There was a funeral director that has got it out and showed blood clots, but he tried to put the embalming fluid in the body, and it <coughs> wouldn't allow. Them. Yeah, wouldn't go in because those thick clots had blocked the vessels. Yeah. And that's when yeah, he The guy the, the same thing. I talked to He said the same thing Wow. They couldn't, they couldn't OK. I don't know. Good question. There may be some variation. I doubt it makes much difference. Um, I would take the, the zinc with meals probably. Sometimes it irritates the stomach a little bit, cause a mild nausea. Sometimes taking all your vitamins at once causes a little nausea anyway, so <laughs> taking them with a meal would help cut down on that. Uh, there may be, but I'm not aware of it. If there are, I just find the one and take it. By the way, vitamin K helps vitamin D3 be absorbed better. So, And you can find one that has D3 and K together in the pill, so it's a handier way to take it. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention quercetin. Quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N, is also a zinc ionophore. So it does what HCQ does, and it's over-the-counter. If you can't find it in a store, you can find it online. So quercetin comes in 500 milligram capsules usually, either once or twice a day. If you're having symptoms, probably twice a day for sure, but uh, that can be very helpful. And N-acetylcysteine, NAS, is another one recommended that helps prevent blood clots, they say. By the way, about 10% of people who come down with COVID wind up with long-haul COVID. The symptoms, brain fog and body aches and fatigue, it just goes on and on. And ivermectin actually helps deal with those symptoms. And there's a lot of supplements. You can find these online if you look up long-haul COVID treatment. <clears throat> They'll tell you what to take. And one of the pharmacists I talked to a while back asked if I knew about naltrexone. I vaguely heard of it, but no more. And he called it to my attention that there's about three or 400 doctors across the country that are using naltrexone to treat long-haul COVID with good results. <clears throat> now, if you look up naltrexone, its chief use is in treating drug overdose, a 50-milligram tablet. For treat. But for long-haul COVID, you use an ultra-low dose, starting with a half a milligram. Wow. And there's a pharmacy, PD Labs, the only place I know in the country, PD Labs makes these available in half a milligram tablets. So people with long-haul COVID would normally take one of those and work up gradually, maybe once a week. And most, they say most of them in around the 3 to 3.5 milligrams find a happy dose where they're doing really well for long haul COVID. So that's something we would want to keep in mind, you know, for people that might need it. What do you mean by long haul COVID? Long haul just means that instead of lasting maybe a week or two, like most viruses, this goes on and on and on for months. The symptoms don't go away. Okay. That's, so it's a long haul. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would be one of, could be one of the signs. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so it's not surprising. Yeah, anyone who has a, uh, intense thirst or frequent urination, or urination anything like that, needs to get checked for the blood sugar. Sure. It could be into diabetes. Sure, yeah. Yes, sir. Naltrexone, its main use is to do what? Main use of what? Or... Oh, naltrexone. It helps prevent blood clots, they say, yeah. They're saying now that if you've, had, if you've been fully vaccinated, you're much more likely to come down with COVID. The, uh, the vaccines do not prevent COVID. They do not prevent transfer of COVID. They make you more likely to get COVID. And a higher percentage of people in the hospital dying of COVID have been fully vaccinated than unvaccinated. Yes, sir. Uh, Trouble breathing, you say? That's a good question. I don't think we know the answer to yet. Just like no long-term safety studies have been done. Uh, If you get sick with COVID symptoms, you know, how long are they going to last? Or is there going to be some ill effects from it down the road? Maybe. We don't know. It's been found to be harming fertility. The COVID, uh, the vaccines, and yeah, miscarriages. Miscarriages, yeah, yeah. You said about the COVID test. You wouldn't want the nasal test. Why wouldn't you want the nasal test? I have heard this over and over that they jab that thing way up, almost to what's called the cribriform plate, which is the only a thin plate between your nose and your brain. And you also hear rumors about them putting COVID materials on the, on the swabs, and, you know, I don't know. But there's a I, had to have a, I had to have a colonoscopy in Nevada a while back, and, of course, if you go to the hospital, they got to do a COVID test. They did a swab of your cheek. I wasn't going to let them do a nose jab. I had three nose jabs, <laughs> three different surgeries so, that What did it feel like? Yeah, that's what people say. In Portugal, in Portugal? Yes. And I was in it. They said, oh, we just have to go in your nose, you know, real easy. And then all of a sudden she just did <sighs> that. thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.